You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Student Minister Sam Oldland. Hey, it's awesome to be with you, and this is an amazing part of the Bible. So if you've got one of these Bibles on the chair in front of you, please have it open there on page 951. I wonder if you've uh, known a person or people whose lives have been completely focused on one goal, on one purpose. I had this mate when I was about 10 or 12 whose entire life revolved around cricket. So every day at lunchtime at school, we'd be playing cricket. Every afternoon, he'd be down to the nets to practice his skills. Every Saturday morning, he'd be playing for his club, then watching other games for his club, then going home and watching cricket on TV. He was all about cricket. And some people in the room are thinking, yeah, I can identify with that. That sounds like a pretty good childhood, right? Other people, including my wife, thinks that is probably the the deepest depths of hell for them. (laughs) Cricket all day, every day. But for my mate, he loved it. He was just completely into cricket. When I'd go around to his house, I'd just end up bowling to him for him to practice. And his dad used to pay him a dollar for every 10 minutes that he could go without talking about cricket. (laughs) But he, didn't, he hardly made any money at all off that. He was so fixated on cricket. He, uh, he grew out of that eventually. But there are lots of goals, there are lots of purposes that people spend their entire lives trying to reach, trying to achieve, that people live for. Sometimes uh, it's money. So you might have read that book or seen that movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, about a guy, Jordan Belfort, who's so focused on getting rich that he's willing to do anything. His entire life becomes about that goal. He breaks a whole lot of laws. It doesn't go well for him. Sometimes it might be a noble cause. You know, people like Fred Hollows or Nelson Mandela, they, they devote their entire lives to a just cause. They give everything to that cause. Maybe some of you have at home a border collie or a kelpie. And you can see this kind of devotion, this kind of dedication in them, I think. These, these dogs have been bred. Their instinct is for herding, and they're all for that. So if they're on a farm, they just love working. They love herding with the other dogs, with the farmer. And if you have one in your suburban backyard, you'll realize that instinct doesn't just go away, right? It's, it's deeply part of who they are. So whether it's chasing a ball or rounding up chickens or rounding up children, they just love to herd. They're totally fixated on that goal. When Ronnie and I take our dog to the park, he's not a, a border collie or a kelpie, and he'll try to play with one of these dogs, and he gets up in their face and he's bouncing around trying to kind of play with them, and they just look straight through him. They're the whole time just completely focused on their owner with the ball. That's, they're all about that tennis ball. And, you know, I, th- I think all of us actually have a kelpie inside of us. All of us wants a cause to live for like that. We want something to to strive for, something to be devoted to. I find stories of of lifelong devotion to something inspiring because I want to have that kind of focus and, and passion. I want that purpose and direction and clarity that comes from striving for something, from having a cause, from being totally devoted to something. 
And the, the guy who wrote this part of the Bible, Paul, he, he gets it. He's a, a Kelpie. This is a guy with a one-track mind. A guy who lives for a cause and lives for it with everything he's got. And his cause isn't a political cause, it isn't a tennis ball, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The amazing thing about that, though, is that once Paul's cause, Paul was totally fixated on destroying the gospel of Christ. He was a religious leader, a Jewish leader called a Pharisee. And he hated that these Christians were worshipping Jesus, who claimed to be king of the Jews. His entire purpose was to destroy these people who were following Jesus. Paul was busting into people's houses, dragging men and women to prison, having people killed. He was relentless and brutal and committed to his cause. But that's not the end of the story, is it? The Bible says that Paul was breathing threats and murder against the Christians and he was walking along the road and Jesus miraculously appeared to Paul. He met him and he changed Paul's purpose. He changed Paul's goal. He changed Paul's life from persecuting the followers of Jesus to preaching the gospel of Jesus. God said of Paul, He is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. God gave Paul a new purpose, a new cause, a new zeal. This man of absolute dedication, he had a new object for his dedication. His whole life became about preaching the gospel of Christ. Paul's life was all for Jesus. And just like God promised, Paul would give everything he had for his one cause. And Paul shows these Christians in Philippi and shows us what it looks like to live a life that is all for Jesus. Here's what I'm hoping for us in the room tonight. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, I hope that you and I will be inspired to live lives that are all for Jesus, lives like Paul's. I hope that Paul will be an example to us of the kind of life that is so focused on the gospel that counts any cost to follow Jesus, that takes risks and makes sacrifices. I hope that Philippians 1 will inspire us to make real changes in our lives to be all for Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I hope that this part of the Bible will help you to see a bit of why we think Jesus is worth living for. I hope that you might see something of what it is that we find so amazing about Jesus, so exciting about Jesus, and why Christians try to live differently to live for him. So what does it actually look like then for this guy, Paul, to be all for Jesus? What kind of behavior does that involve? This guy, Paul, is so sold out for Jesus, so all for Jesus, that he can rejoice even though he is in chains. Have a look at verse 12 in your Bible. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, what had happened to Paul is that he had been thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. 
He'd experienced religious persecution. He'd been denied his rights as a Roman citizen and accused of crimes he didn't commit. A great injustice had been done against Paul. But, but isn't it a bit weird that he doesn't actually say any of that? He just drops in there that he's in chains for Christ. Why would he give so little detail about what's happened to him? Because it, it doesn't matter. It's not the main point. He's more focused on telling them what God has been doing in his situation. The whole palace guard, everyone else there knew that Paul was in chains for Christ. And because of his chains, the God has grown the confidence of lots and lots of Christian believers to share their faith like he. It's like if I told you about this meal that I had the other day. I was having dinner with my mate Malcolm Turnbull and we had palmers, right? And these palmers, they were beautifully cooked, crispy chicken, like smoked ham, palmers and cheese, beautiful herbs. It was an amazing dinner. You'd be thinking, what? Well, hang on. Backtrack a little bit there. You were having dinner with who? Clearly, I'm not communicating the right elements of that story, am I? As good as palmers are and as hungry as I'm literally feeling right now, the main point of that story should be that I'm having dinner with Malcolm Turnbull, right? It's a weird kind of focus for me to have. And, and Paul's like that here. He doesn't even really care that he's in prison, that he's experienced religious persecution. That's not the main point. The main point is that all these people have heard about Jesus and all these Christians have been encouraged. What an amazing perspective. What a one-track mind. What an attitude. He's so devoted to Jesus, so fixated on the gospel of Jesus that everything else fades into the background. Paul's in prison, yeah, but look what God's doing through that. All the palace guard, the very people who were holding him there, they've all come to know that he's there because of Jesus. They've seen his commitment to Christ. They've seen that there's something about Paul's faith which inspires him even to prison. They've seen his love for God as he sits in his prison cell. That's how, how captivated Paul is by Jesus. He's joyful in his circumstances as well because God's using his imprisonment to build the confidence of other Christians. They think, man, if Paul can do that, if Paul is that committed to Jesus, maybe I could be like that. Maybe I could be that committed to Jesus. Paul's chains are encouraging Jesus' followers, and they're witnessing Jesus' message to everyone. So Paul can rejoice because he is all for Jesus. Paul is so all for Jesus that when he looks at his chains, he rejoices to see God at work. And he's so all for Jesus that he sees God at work even when his reputation is tarnished. Have a look at uh, verse 15. He says, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. That, that seems a bit odd to me when I read that, that people are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry to stir up trouble for Paul. What's, what's going on there? Well, he's, he's talking about 
Christians, right? He's not talking about false teachers that have snuck into the church. It seems that there are some Christians uh, who were preaching the gospel, maybe encouraged by Paul's own witness, and they were supporting Paul in their preaching. And then some other Christians are preaching the gospel, but they're preaching as a facade for their, their envious and rivalrous desire to hurt Paul. It's not really clear exactly how it would do that. It might be uh, that they are bad-mouthing Paul while they preach. It might be that they think more gospel preaching is going to stir up more trouble for Paul in his treatment in prison. It's, it's not really clear because Paul doesn't really say because he doesn't really care. He doesn't care why they're preaching the gospel as long as they are preaching the gospel, as long as people are hearing the good news about Jesus. Isn't that an amazing attitude? He just wants the glory to go to Jesus. And if that means giving up his own reputation, so be it. If lifting up Jesus means lowering himself down, bring it on. It makes me think of photography, which uses focus to bring one element into clarity and others to fade away. Paul is so completely and totally focused on Jesus, that the things in the background, they start to blur and fade and disappear. Actually, you don't really notice them at all compared to the clarity and the colour of what's in focus. Paul's focus is all for Jesus. So Paul can say, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Because of this, Paul rejoices. You know, I, I hope as we look at Paul's life that we want to be like him. But as Paul gives up his reputation for the sake of Jesus, do we want to be like that? Would you sacrifice your reputation for the sake of the gospel? I reckon this would actually be really hard for a lot of us. I know it is for me. Most of us in this room, we live pretty respectable lives, right? We have good jobs that our parents are proud of. We have nice, not opulent, but nice houses with neat lawns. We go to good schools. We play the violin or the piano. Our neighbours like us. We get considered for promotions. Our friends think that we're good, hardworking, decent people. But what if following Jesus meant giving that up? What if focusing on Jesus, honouring Jesus, meant that people saw you as strange, as suspicious, as bigoted, as an outsider? What if you lived not in Diamond Creek, but in Pakistan or in China or Somalia? And following Jesus for you meant that your parents told you you weren't their child anymore or your kids were ejected from their school. And it was hard to find work. And people treated you with suspicion. Do you think you could say with Paul, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, Christ is preached. Or what if you did live in Diamond Creek, but your neighbours preferred their kids not to play with yours because of how religious you are. Or you were 
denied a promotion because your understanding of human sexuality was different to that of the company that you work for. People judged you for being part of an institution that's failed to keep children safe. Or you lost some important friends because you tried to share your hope in Jesus with them and they were offended. Or what if Jesus called you to serve him on the mission field? You had to sell your nice house with a neat lawn. You had to give up a good salary, a good job to get paid in rupees. Your friends questioned the legitimacy of going into another culture and trying to convince them to change their religion and worship Jesus. Do you think then you could say with Paul, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, Christ is preached. I I hope I could. I hope I could be like Paul and the countless thousands of Christians around the world who give up their reputation every day to be all for Jesus. Paul is so focused on Christ. He's so concerned with the spread of the gospel that he is unconcerned with everything else, even his very life. It's unbelievable. Have a look at verse 18. Near the end of verse 18, he says, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, Paul got beaten for his faith many times. He got flogged for preaching about Jesus. He got thrown in prison over and over again. He travelled around without a home, without security. He got shipwrecked following where Jesus called him. He got sick. And through that, through all of that, he never lost focus. He never took his eyes off Jesus. He never stopped preaching the gospel. The best historical data that we've got about the late part of Paul's life says that he spent his last years under house arrest, again in chains. He spent those last years writing to Christians to encourage churches to teach believers. And then sometime in the mid-60s AD, Paul was beheaded for his faith and finally departed to be with Christ. For Paul to live is Christ and to die is gain. Last Sunday, 11 followers of Jesus in Indonesia were killed while they worshipped at church, just like we're doing today. Now they are sharing in the glory of Christ at his side. For them, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Today, there's an average of 322 Christians around the world killed every month for their faith. Over 70 million people have been killed for faith in Jesus, and more than half of those have been since the start of the 20th century. That's 70 million people who were all for Jesus, who were so devoted to Jesus that everything else, even their very lives, faded into the background. For people who are all for Jesus... Death has lost its sting. Death has no power over us anymore. 
Because Jesus shared our humanity. He experienced our death and he rose from the grave to defeat death for us. And so we're freed from fearing death. We can live lives of radical love, of generosity, of self-sacrifice. We don't have to live lives of, of protecting ourselves, of protecting our lifestyles, protecting our security. Because for us, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what's different about living all for Jesus rather than all for anything else. You could live all for money or all for success or all for a cause or all for your children. But Jesus, Jesus is the only cause, the only goal, the only person you can live for who holds eternal life in his hands, who can reconcile you to God, who can give you life in its fullest now and forever. Do you, do you want to live all for Jesus? Do you want to live like Paul, looking beyond little things like your circumstances and your reputation, your lifestyle, looking to Christ and the spread of his gospel instead? I do. I so badly do. I want to be so fixed on the glory of Christ that my circumstances, good and bad, just fade into the background. I don't want to care about accumulating wealth I don't want to care about protecting my reputation. I don't want to care about health issues. I just want to care about Jesus being glorified in my life in every way. And listen, if you're here today, you and I, we can live all for Jesus. Now, there are people in the room who want to be like Paul. You want to live all for Jesus, but then you think, I don't know what it would look like. I've got a good job. I've got people that I'm responsible for. How could I give that up? How could I change those circumstances to live all for Jesus? Or you want to be all for Jesus, but you don't know what it looks like because you don't know what the future's going to look like. You don't know what you'll do with your life. What would it look like to spend your life all for Jesus? But know that there's never a time, there's never a situation where you can't deepen your love for Jesus and your service of him. My, my in-laws, they became missionaries for the first time in their 60s. They gave up owning, owning a successful business and good jobs to follow Jesus' call, to be all for Jesus. There are people in our, our church community at the Leith Park Retirement Village down the road. They spend their last years and even their last days praying for people that they love to come to know Jesus, thanking him for his goodness to them in their lives, reading his word. I want that. I want to be so all for Jesus that I'm still living for him even on my deathbed. But how? How can you and I be like that? How can we live all for Jesus, live lives that are so focused on Jesus that everything else just fades into the background. Well, Paul, he helps these Christians to know a bit of what it looks like to live lives that are all for Jesus. Look at verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one 
for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Here's what sticks out to me about that. The Christians, they are together and they are not afraid of opposition. To live all for Jesus, we need each other. We need each other to encourage one another, to train one another, to teach one another, to rebuke one another when we live for ourselves and for little things instead of for Jesus. So if you want to live all for Jesus, live all for his people, live for these people. Build deep friendships which actually help you to love Jesus more, not just polite, small talk friendships. Ask someone to help keep you accountable to your decisions for how you're living all for Jesus and not for yourself. If you're here and you're in a life group, what might it look like for you to live all for Jesus in your life group? I can tell you, it doesn't look like interesting intellectual arm's length discussions about a theology topic and then a prayer for your cold or your homework and then the same next week unless you're tired or you've got something else on. Be all for Jesus in your growth group. Don't let it stay surface level and polite. Share real and vulnerable prayer points. Give real personal answers to questions. Really care for less experienced members of the group. Really live your lives together. Spur one another on. If you do those things, I assure you, it will change the culture of your group. And you will have the kind of sanctifying friendships which really, truly help you to love Jesus more. Stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And don't be afraid to live lives that attract opposition. If you and I live our lives totally for Jesus, that's very different to the people around us. If everybody's pointing one way and then you and I are pointing another way, people see that. Sometimes they don't like it. But don't be frightened in any way from living all for Jesus. Don't give up because people think you're weird or try to change you. Hold your circumstances and your reputation and your lifestyle in open hands, in surrender to Jesus. Don't cling on to those things. Cling on to Jesus instead and hold everything else in surrender to him. Jesus is better than a good job. He's better than a nice house with a neat lawn. Jesus is better than a good reputation. Jesus is better than life itself. He is a firm and unchanging foundation every moment of every day. He offers life that no other purpose can offer. He gives joy that no other person can provide. He brings hope that no other goal can deliver. Wouldn't it be amazing if you and I could say with our brothers and sisters in Indonesia, with 70 million believers and with Paul, that for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to pray that we would. Jesus, put those words on our hearts, put those words on our lips. And to live is Christ and to die is gain. Help us to live with everything surrendered to you. 
We pray that you would shine so brightly before our eyes that everything else fades into the background. We pray for your glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.